Tuesday, the mayor is the best new comedy. Okay, I... I have goosebumps. He's an outsider who's been voted in. Dishonest media. Sola Detroit. Is a smash hit. It's on everyone's must-watch list. It's sweet and funny. Mayor promised a new music center. We're going to name it after someone we all know. Sean Windsor? We'll figure it out later. The Mayor. New episode Tuesday after Sola Detroit. <laughs> You ask in a rock, get your question out of my face. It's gone. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, Emil. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? Hey kids, it's your old pal ML Eric back once again with ML Soul of Detroit. I'm joined by Mark Fellhauer, Sean Windsor. Joe Zuber is the invisible man, the invisible hand, uh, steering our economy towards prosperity. And, of course, uh, Professor Matt Jennings will be joining us shortly um, as he prepares uh, his lesson in history that didn't happen. Uh, to those of you who are still trying to finish my profile of Mike Duggan that was published Guilty. in the Free Press last week, I apologize that it was so long. I also apologize that as long as it was – we probably left out more than we were able to report because this is a guy who has been everywhere but this show, but we expect him to join us any minute. He's on a very important phone call, so we got bumped. Um, it better be a very important phone call. Oh, here he is right now. Wow, okay. Almost, you, almost right on cue. You, yeah. you mentioned the, the mayor and he shall appear. And uh, and to those who are too cheap to pay for the subscription, I think it's 99 cents a month, Um I'm sorry, folks, uh, we have to charge for our journalism because uh, maybe our journalism isn't that good. They say the best things in life is free. Our, our journalism isn't, and it's because we keep losing reporters because our bottom line is going through the floor. So uh, so please subscribe to the Free Press. Please read uh, the profile. and uh, It'll only take, take till next year. And if you haven't read it yet, uh, <laughs> the man himself is here. And if you're still reading it, I wonder, well, if, then, he, uh, I wonder if he even made it. Get to the end. Yes. Uh, he got to the part about the machete. So uh, Mayor Mike Duggan joined us, uh, is joining us live here. Uh, thank you very much, Your Honor, for taking the time to, to jump on the Soul of Detroit. Well, it was a, a very unusual act of journalism uh, these days to have a long, in-depth story. So yeah, I'm interested to know how many people still appreciate that kind of writing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's one of those things where I, I think you and I first spoke uh, at the end of May, and I thought, well, I'll get this done in, in June. And then it may have even been the day you and I spoke that George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. That That, that <laughs> weekend, people were marching, and then... Since then, we've had what? Uh, Kwame Kilpatrick almost got out of prison, supposedly. We had uh, nightly marches. We had uh, a plot to kidnap the governor. We had an election. Then somebody tried to steal the election, only they didn't. Then Rudy Giuliani melted and then got COVID from a prostitute, I think. And then, uh, and now Joe Biden's our president. So, uh, so it's been a little busy kind of year. Uh, it has been. I think. I think uh, you missed one. I think Kwame uh, was released twice during that time. In fact, he, he's expect he's he's our next guest. So, uh, <laughs> unfortunately uh, for him, it's a collect call. But uh, but we're trying to get him back. We have had his brother-in-law, on, who was a great guest. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met Daniel Ferguson before, but he's a demolition contractor in the city of Detroit. So, and I believe a proponent of Proposal N. So you guys have. Right. Something in common other than an affection for for your predecessor as mayor. Oh, okay. I don't think I have met him. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, you'd know it. He's like six foot seven, 300 pounds. I think uh, he almost knocked the ceiling down here in the studio. So he's a big dude, but we, we appreciate you joining us today. And, um, you know, do you mind if I ask you a story that uh, I didn't get into the story that I've, I've been dying to know about? Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's always thrilled. too late to say no, but uh, <laughs> so in, in one of my favorite parts of reporting the story was talking to people who knew you kind of way back when, back when, in what I'll call the uh, sideburns era. And <laughs> one of those guys said that, um, that you had a meeting with uh, Bo Schembechler when the plans were coming down for the stadiums. And I know you're a big Michigan guy, so I assume you're a big Schembechler fan, but that at the meeting, and I think this won't surprise anybody who knew Bo Schembechler a little bit, that he had said something to the effect of, you know, take notes. Here's everything I want you to do at the stadium. Here's everything we need. And at the end of the meeting, before you left, you tossed him the notebook back and it was blank. Is that true? Uh, well, that's probably about 75% true. But uh, there was a time when I was at the county and, you know, people forgotten that Bo Schembechler was the president of Tigers for a few years there. And uh, Tom Monahan had threatened to take the team to Dearborn. They had a site. Uh, in Dearborn. It's actually the site where the Lions practice facility is uh, today uh, and and tried to hold uh, the city up. It's probably the time I worked closest with Mayor Coleman Young uh, to uh, block the move. Uh, and Bo only knew one way of doing things. So he and I ended up becoming good friends years later, but um, him telling the, the city how we were going to build a stadium with 12,000 cars in an asphalt parking lot all the way around so suburbanites could drive in, go into the parking lot, and drive home safely. Uh, it wasn't an acceptable proposal to Ed McNamara, to Mayor Young, or me. And so we had we had some tense times. And and you threw a blank notebook in his lap? <clears throat> I handed it to him politely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll settle for that. That's good enough for me. I'm done. That was my big question. That was great. Okay. Well, speaking, I mean, since you bring up the teams, there is the perception of, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of the front door of the city. I mean, when people think of Detroit, they think of the sports teams. And there seems to be a perception, particularly with the Illiches, that they got this kind of sweetheart deal. And maybe Gilbert has gotten some sweetheart deals and they haven't fulfilled some of their promises that they said they would do. Um, how do you feel about that perception and what can you as a mayor do about that? Well, I, I deal with reality, but I don't know if you saw, uh, I think it might have been your paper, ML, but there was a story in this past week uh, where Chris Illich's proposal to renovate uh, a number of older buildings and create affordable housing uh, was endorsed by many of their longest uh, standing critics. Uh, and I think it's a really, in fact, it was your paper, ML. Uh, and I think Chris Illich uh, has got uh, his organization on a good track that's being responsive. Uh, and, you know, you can talk about what you want. The first uh, uh, mid-rise office building built in this city uh, in the last 25 years is the Little Caesars headquarters on Woodward. And right next to it, they're building another major office building that's nearing completion. So while other people have stopped and started projects, uh, Chris Illich has, has brought them through to fruition. Well, there's that perception, though, that there's a lot of parking lots around uh, LCA that we're not supposed to be parking lots. And, you know, now he's doing this and getting accolades for it. It just it seems weird. 
Yeah, well, there were a lot of people who could have bought those parking lots and built on them in the last 50 years who didn't do it. Uh, and so, as far as I can tell, all of the critics uh, were people who didn't uh, uh, acquire land and build in Detroit. Uh, but uh, he just converted, you look at what you want to say, the parking lots, the Little Caesars headquarters opened on one. The uh, uh, Wayne State Business School has been built and opened on one of those parking lots. And now an office building for some law firms and some other folks uh, is being built on another. So uh, they continue uh, to build. Uh, and, and as I say, I think Chris Illich, at one point he did a speech that I think he probably regrets and, and, and had uh, suggested a vision of huge development all yeah. at once. Yep. And uh, even though they have built uh, really uh, as much or more of anybody in the city, He's not being judged against everybody else. He's being judged against uh, that speech he once uh, gave. But I think he's got things going the right direction. I feel good about the partnership. I was really pleased that he had had a proposal to knock down uh, some of those apartment buildings and move the folks out. He's completely flipped and has now renovated them. and going to preserve them as affordable housing. As I say, even his biggest critics. Uh, are, are behind this latest thing. So I feel good about the direction they've gone. Mr. Mayor, the, I, it's keeping here a little bit, uh, a year ago, maybe two years ago, forgive me for my memory here, you were up at, I think, Mackinac Island, and you spoke about this a little bit. You, you mentioned you, you you get doing a lot of living rooms in the city, and you don't hear them, those folks, talking about this issue and whether there's going to be a big district around the district, right, or around the arena. Is that is that part of what uh, kind of informs you when you think about the issues and where the where the most pressing needs are, the the downtown versus the not not to pit them against each other, but the downtown and then the neighborhoods. Well, ML is one of the very few reporters in this town who actually lives in the city. Uh, he does. People who live in the city have a a different perspective. But you're absolutely right. I had to stop when COVID started. But for all uh, the first six years of my term, I would sit once a week. Uh, in living rooms in the city. And the things that uh, tend to be in the newspaper, tax breaks or uh, the illages, uh, those are not the issues that Detroiters care about. When you sit in living rooms with Detroiters, uh, they want the abandoned house down the street uh, knocked down. They want the dead tree removed. They want the drug house down the street shut down. They want their alleys behind their houses cleared up. Uh, and it's always fascinated me. There is uh, a real complete disconnect. And this isn't just recent. Uh, during Kwame Kilpatrick's days, uh, suburbanites were shocked when, when Kwame Kilpatrick got reelected for mayor in 2005. But Detroiters saw the grass getting cut in the parks. They were responding to uh, a different uh, stimulus. And then I think when Dave Bing uh, was in office and was at 18% approval rating in, in Detroit, suburbanites were saying, why don't uh, they appreciate him. Uh, he's working hard. And so Detroiters make their decisions based on what they see in their own neighbors and their own front doors. Uh, and it, it seems to me that what gets covered in the paper may be uh, not what's on Detroiters' mind every day, but ML could probably speak to that better than I could. Yeah, well, uh, it's uh, I wouldn't call it my paper. I would say I've made a lot of suggestions to them, not not many of which I've <laughs> taken. But uh, but as a Detroiter and as someone who had until recently uh, a daughter going to Wayne State, I will tell you the part of the Illich plan that's always confounded me is down on Peterborough and some of the other residential properties, some of those those brownstones. 
I understand for commercial and everything else, the financing is different, but you know, with such demand for housing in the, in the center city, I just, it's always, it's always amazed me that my, my kid and all their classmates are struggling to find places to live. They're paying top dollars for the place they could live. And they're a, they're a, a scooter ride away from the district housing and those places remain boarded up and essentially off the market. It, it's just, it's kind of heartbreaking to those of us who say, boy, my kid would love to live there. Well, housing deals are really complicated to do. Uh, in the old Unitas Artist Theater uh, is being renovated for housing now. A team of, of groups that includes Roy Roberts and a number of others are developing that in partnership with the Illiches. And as I say, this announcement now, uh, I think it's Peterborough, but those, those uh, uh, three buildings in a row, those apartment buildings, are now going to be renovated. And so it's going the, the right direction. Uh, but, you know, I go over and take a look, for example, on the Myers on Jefferson. That Myers was proposed to be a Myers on the main floor and three floors of apartments above it. The finance on the apartments was so complicated. I finally had to say to them, guys, uh, we need shopping in this city. You need to move forward on what you can do. And now they're building a Myers without uh, the apartment. So it's not just uh, the, uh, the Illiches. You've got housing projects uh, with some very wealthy people that have been delayed in, in lots of different parts of the city. And, and we're working through it a project at a time. Yeah, and, and we've seen that before, too, with the uh, the uh, the apartments or condos on top of the parking structure at the Book Cadillac. Those are supposed to be built first. Instead, they went forward with the parking structure and later on built those. And now they seem to be all occupied, and I'm sure they're they're paying a pretty penny for them. But be, before I turn it over to Mark, I, I should have asked you, what did Schembechler say when he gave him that notebook? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he had the ability to poke you in the chest with his finger in a way that looked innocuous, but would leave a bruise. Uh, so that's what I learned. Oh, wow. Okay. So he, he, he spoke with his hands, not his words. Yeah, you talked to some longtime sports writers. They've all had the experience. <laughs> I know he poked Ernie Harwell out of WGR pretty hard, but Ernie got back. So I was happy about that. <laughs> Um, you mentioned COVID and how it stopped the neighborhood visits and ML lives in the city of Detroit. I'm a suburbanite. You were a suburbanite until what, maybe 10 years ago. Um, you made some comments a while ago, you're defending the city and it, it was the perception that you kind of blame COVID in the city of Detroit on the suburbs. And I, I understand those are your constituents, but do you, do you really feel, do you really believe that it's the suburbanites that brought COVID back into Detroit? Well, I didn't say I blame them for it. I'm saying that that we are one region. Uh, but I've been out in areas uh, like Wixom where people are as stood on the corners with signs saying, remove your mask, uh, COVID is a fraud. I mean, we have seen uh, a number uh, of suburban areas. Dr. Deborah Burks, uh, you know, who was President Trump's leader on this, came in to see me about three or four months ago, sat in my office, and she looked at the numbers and she just marveled. And she said, Detroit's infection rate uh, is small in surrounding areas. What's Macomb County? And I had to say, no, it's mm. Macomb County. And she said, how do they have a higher infection rate than Detroit? And I had to say, you know, it depends on who folks are listening to. Uh, but I said, your administration is putting out a message uh, that masks aren't important. And I think it's, it's hurt uh, this country uh, quite a bit. But I have seen it uh, really for the last six or eight months. Uh, when you're in the suburbs, 
there is significantly less mask wearing uh, than there is in the city of Detroit. And this is the evidence uh, that behavior matters. There's no reason uh, why uh, the most densely populated area where people ride on buses in Detroit has got half the infection rate uh, of the surrounding communities. My point really was to say to suburbanites, we're, run, we're one region, take it seriously. Uh, and that was the message I was trying to get across. And I talked to Dave Coulter later, and he's been trying to get the same message across uh, to his constituents. I would just like to add real quickly, I, I actually did a story back in the the late spring, and I, I spent an entire day, actually a weekend, a couple of days, driving all over. I live out in the Ann Arbor area, and I went all the way east and all the way up north to northern Oakland County. And it really depended on the suburbs. So it wasn't broadly through the suburbs. You're right about Wixom. The similar was it was that way in Brighton, Howell, some of those areas. In the city of Detroit, most folks were in masks. But some of the suburbs in Oakland County, there were just as many masks that I saw. Now that was all anecdotal. But you could almost, I hate to say this, but it was political, really. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. The suburbs that were kind of more conservatives, there were fewer masks. I mean, it's, 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 that was my experience, by the way. Right, you're right. And Dave Coulter made the same point when he called me afterwards. He said, there's as many masks in Ferndale as there are in Detroit. You shouldn't generalize Oakland County. And he was right. Uh, and, and you're right in your observation. My point wasn't to worry about blame. My point was uh, to say to the people who live in the suburbs, uh, behavior matters. And if you want to protect people you care about, uh, you need to modify your behavior. Whether my comments helped or not, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but what I said was true. Well, there's that, you know, there is a little bit of a history of Detroit versus the suburbs. So I'm sure, uh, that that's why it would rub people the wrong way out in the suburbs and maybe say, oh, I'm not, well, we spend a lot of money down there. And one of the places, uh, where people like to spend money in the city are a lot of small businesses, small restaurants, which are obviously clearly struggling because of COVID. Is there anything the city can do in terms, I don't know, grants or, um, helping get loans to some of these small businesses. Is there anything that can happen? Oh, yeah. Well, we, we did, I don't know, 10 or $15 million in grants and loans uh, to the small businesses, kept them afloat through the first wave. And, of course, the federal government actually did a good job on the original CARES package with the Paycheck Protection Program, kept a lot of people employed, kept a lot of businesses uh, going. Uh, and I hope uh, in the next week, that the Republicans and Democrats in Washington get together uh, and solve this. So there's limited things that we can do. Of course, right now, uh, the sit-down restaurants are shut down. Um, but um, uh, the, stores are, the, the stores are open. But we're seeing high degrees of compliance. And we don't sit around and just blame other people. I bet we pulled the business licenses on 10 or 12 businesses in the city of Detroit uh, for failure to wear masks, for failure to distance uh, and for violating the rules. So uh, it hasn't been all talk on our part. Our health department has been very effective uh, in making sure that, as we keep saying, uh, you know, if you if you were on Belle Isle uh, and saw uh, the, uh, the memorial for all those folks we lost, you realize what's at stake and why we have to take it so seriously. Your Honor, there's there's been a lot of uh, a lot of talk early on in the uh, the pandemic about, uh, and, and you, you were responsible for some of it talking about how uh, Washington needed to provide more tests. We needed to have more resources so we could really test. I remember there was a time when the state of Michigan could do 125 tests a day. You're probably doing that many an hour at the state fairgrounds at some point. But as, as things uh, progressed, 
you really didn't have much to say about what was coming out of Washington. And then more recently, you've had more to say about Washington failing to to basically set a national policy to still provide some of the, the resources that, that local businesses and governments need. How much of that is strategic when Trump is in Washington and now Joe Biden is going to be the president? Uh, it's more a function of what I experienced. So I, I was very positive uh, about Dr. Hahn and uh, the FDA, who I dealt with extensively. They got the Abbott test approved quickly, uh, and he was very helpful. On the other hand, the people in the Trump administration who had told us uh, uh, PPE is on the way, test kits are on the way, and we believe them. I think Debbie Stabenow chased a phantom truckload uh, uh, of uh, test kits for a week before she called and said, they're lying to you. There's no, there's no truckload. And then the president went and said, the federal government's not a shipping clerk. And my thing was, why don't you just tell us the truth up front, uh, which is basically you're going to abdicate on the testing. We're going to have to do it ourselves. And at that point, there was no point in wasting my breath on them. I went out and got the test kits, the PPE, got the testing done myself. On the vaccinations, however, and the conversation more recently, this isn't something I can do myself. The vaccinations are absolutely uh, being developed and distributed by the federal government. And there is no plan to get these vaccines uh, injected into folks' arms in this country in any kind of timely way. They're, they're, They're spiking the football like the fact the vaccine got approved meant people are safe. People aren't safe until you know, you get 200 million doses actually into local communities, get people scheduled, get them their shots, get them back a month later for their, their follow-up shots. And uh, I think you're going to see the conversation turn in the next two or three weeks as the realization descends on Americans that this great promise that, hey, the vaccine was approved, the, the crisis is over, is going to be an enormous amount of frustration about how long it's going to take for the average person to ever see that vaccine. Now, the governor took the opposite tack of what you did. She was very, very uh, confrontational with Washington and to the point where the president, you know, really, uh, really called her out on many occasions. What do you think about about that approach? Very different from your approach, unless you guys were playing good cop, bad cop. And, you know, no one's told us that. Well, we were both doing our jobs. And so I said to the governor, I'll handle the testing in Detroit. And, and ML, as you wrote in your story. I got on the phone with Bioreference in New Jersey. I got on the phone with Abbott Labs in Chicago. Uh, I lined up the test so that every Detroiter could get tested on basically 24 hours uh, uh, scheduling uh, and could get through the fairgrounds efficiently. I know you and, and your family uh, took advantage of that testing. And so I didn't really have any reason to engage with the Trump administration anymore. I just went out and solved the problem. The governor, on the other hand, had 83 counties. Uh, and that means 83 sets of trying to line up PPE and tests that didn't have a mayor who had been a CEO of a hospital system who knew how to do this. Uh, and she was trying to keep the people of Michigan safe uh, and uh, I think was enormously frustrated uh, at the lack of any federal engagement. So I was reacting to the situation I was dealing with on 10% of the city or 10% of the state, and she was reacting to the very real challenges she was dealing with the other 90%. I think she did a great job. Uh, But, uh, you know, a lot of governors in this country, uh, certainly Cuomo had his share of conversations about uh, the lack of support, and so have other governors. Uh, You know, I think they're just expressing honest feelings. 
Uh, regarding the vaccine, there's been plenty of reports and studies that show uh, there's a fear amongst the black community, not a fear, but an aversion to taking the vaccine in Detroit, overwhelmingly black. How do you convince your constituents to get the COVID vaccine? Well, I think there is going to be significant skepticism uh, in a lot of communities and certainly uh, the historic uh, nature of experimental treatments being used on African-Americans causes that uh, skepticism be even higher in the black community. But I'll come back to my underlying point. It's going to take us three or four months based on what I'm looking at today just to vaccinate the ready and willing. I mean, the federal government is so screwed up in their vaccination rollout plan that I will be very surprised in April if we aren't still trying to vaccinate the ready and willing. So some point in May or June, I think the conversation is going to have to progress uh, to those who are, are skeptical or reluctant. But by then, they will have seen thousands of their friends and neighbors and family members uh, who have gotten it, and they will be able to see for themselves that those who get vaccinated are far less likely to get COVID. In fact, almost uh, uh, extremely unlikely ever to get COVID. And those who are still being hospitalized are going to be the ones who weren't vaccinated. And I know uh, I will be vaccinated at the earliest possible date uh, that I'm determined to be in a class that's eligible. Mr. Mayor, speaking of the speaking of the, some of the reluctance in Detroit within the black community, based on the history of uh, experimentation and the unfortunate relationship with the federal government in in years and decades past, I'm curious: Did you know about this? How much did you know about this before you moved into the city and and became the oh, mayor? Yeah, I remember I ran I ran a hospital system for nine mm -hmm. years. You don't have to tell me anything uh, about uh, the black community's skepticism about medical treatments. It was, you know, DMC um, treated the African-American community, and uh, I think we did extremely well. I was running DMC at the time of the H1N1 uh, uh, minor epidemic in 2009, and we had drive through vaccines at that point. So this is something I'm very familiar with, but again, this is this is the disconnect between conversation and reality. Let's say there's 500,000 adults in Detroit who should get a vaccine because right now it's not approved uh, for children. Let's say only 40% of Detroiters want a vaccine. That's 200,000 people. I don't see any way, based on what the federal government's doing, we're going to be through the 200,000 ready and willing Detroiters anytime before April or so. So the conversation about uh, what do you do uh, with folks who are skeptical uh, and need more information, need more education, I think the answer is right now, I don't think anybody should ever be mandated. I think this should be purely voluntary. Uh, but I think the, the proof's going to be in the pudding. And uh, it, it's going to take a period of months. I am very hopeful uh, that the TCF Center and, uh, and, and the parking structure at Comerica Park, that we're vaccinating 5,000 people uh, a day. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that we get to that point when the supply is there. Is that supply there in March? Is that, su that supply in April? Nobody can tell us yet. With your experience at the DMC, and that kind of gave you the background in, in that particular area regarding the, the, the African-American community in Detroit, um, what have you learned as your time in mayor? coming from where you came from, Livonia, which is obviously one of the whitest, I'm sorry, I don't mean to chuckle, one of the whitest cities in America by percentage. I remember a free person doing a story about that 15 years ago. But but from your sense, your perspective, what have you learned? What what has changed as a white mayor in a majority black city in your mind? 
Again, so I, from my first summer job in law school, when I worked uh, in a law firm in downtown Detroit, uh, I've worked every day now for 30 some years uh, in the city. Uh, and so I feel like I see the world through the eyes of Detroiters. I spent all day here and most weekends here uh, for going on 40 years. I was born here and I remember uh, Detroit as a child and what it was like there. So I guess I see the world through the eyes of a, a Detroiter, uh, and I wouldn't know any other way to do it. I mean, I ran for uh, mayor. The final straw was one night I was leaving DMC at 5.30 on a winter night, uh, and the streetlights were out on Mack Avenue. Uh, patients trying or to have their families come to visit them at their hospitals. We're having to uh, drive down unlit streets, and it, it made people scared. Uh, to come see their their relatives. I was angry as Detroiters were angry. Uh, and so uh, I've, I've responded to this as Detroiters, and I think the people of the city have responded to me the same way. All right. I don't, I don't want a political answer for this, okay, Mr. Mayor? Um, why are you not going to Washington to work in a Biden administration? Do you not want to? Was there not a position offered? Yeah. So I've said this over and over I should be the easiest guy in the world to understand. I always do exactly what I say I'm going to do. When I said I was running for mayor of Detroit, there were a bunch of stories. Oh, no, it's a secret plan to run for county executive. He can't be running for mayor. Then we got into 2017, 2018. He's running for governor. He's running for governor. I said, no, I'm not. I love the people of the city. I'm committed to the city. There's no chance I'll run for governor. It didn't stop all the speculation. Uh, and uh, I was the first elected official uh, in Michigan. Uh, to endorse my friend Joe Biden. Uh, and I told him then uh, that I love the people of this city. I have a job that I have to finish. Uh, and that what I really want is a partner uh, in the White House. And he understood that. Uh, and I've committed to the people of the city. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay and finish the job. And if uh, they want to hire me for four more years, I'll stay four more. Your Honor, in fairness, my understanding is back before you first ran for mayor, when you bought your house on the west side and people were talking about that, that you were telling people, at least privately, oh, no, I'm just moving to the city. I'm not thinking about running for mayor. Uh, so all I said was I hadn't that buying a house was not a declaration of candidacy. Uh, and it wasn't. Uh, and so uh, when uh, when I moved to Palmer Woods, I was thinking about it. But at the time. The city of Detroit was under an emergency manager. Uh, I had no intention of running for mayor uh, if there was an emergency manager running the city. And so, ML, I don't know if you remember the sequence, but in November of 2012, the voters of the state of Michigan threw out the emergency manager law. They repealed it. They actually thought democracy uh, was something that worked. I then declared I was running for mayor, thinking the emergency manager law was gone. The state legislature, six weeks later in a lame duck session, repassed the same law uh, that the voters had rejected, something that I think probably Rick Snyder deeply regrets uh, today for a lot of reasons. Uh, but, uh, but I was certainly leaving options open. Uh, but my thought was if the emergency manager uh, were gone, I intended to run for mayor. I didn't intend uh, to, 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 to be treated like Dave Bang. And sitting in an office with nothing to do all day. So if you had left, uh, after the sale of the DMC to Vanguard, I think you said you agreed to stay on for a couple of years. You would have still been, I'm not saying you're an old guy now, but you would have been a very young guy. What would you have done after leaving the DMC? I don't know that I ever would have left the DMC. Uh, 
Uh, so Vanguard wanted a commitment from me as part of the deal uh, that I would stay two years uh, after the sale was complete. And I committed to that because I thought the $850 million investment in Detroit hospitals uh, was worth it. Uh, but, you know, I, I love being at the DMC. I got to tell you, there's no better place to work uh, than a healthcare system. Everybody who you meet in a hospital, they chose that job because something in their heart uh, said they want to help people. And to be able to work with folks like that every day was a great, a great experience, a great job. Uh, and, and I loved it. Now, I don't know how long I never anticipated Vanguard selling to tenant and I never could have worked for tenant. Uh, but uh, I hadn't really thought about what I was going to do next. The people that work in hospitals are great, but they're, um, has healthcare become too much about making money, particularly in the healthcare system? When you say too much, uh, you know, in, in, uh, when I started to get active in healthcare issues in 1987, when I worked for the county, uh, Vern Anthony, who's a former county and city health department director, said to me, "Don't be idealistic. Healthcare is about the pursuit of the reimbursement dollar." So that's what she told me in 1987. I've certainly found out uh, that that is it's been true ever since. Uh, and really good systems, and I think Henry Ford is doing a fine job of that right now, uh, can blend. Uh, the pursuit of reimbursement and a, and a good financial bottom line uh, with good things for the community. A lot of others do too. Trinity and Ascension. You got a number of them. I don't want I mean, to pick one out, but you've got a number of them that do a really nice job of balancing, uh, making sure they're financially stable, but also serving the community. So, Mr. Mayor, I, I know you have to go, not, not to Washington. You have to go do some <laughs> more work for the good people of the city of Detroit. And, and I will just say, not only did my family and I take advantage of the uh, the free uh, COVID testing on multiple occasions. I think 70,000 other people did and you still can. So if you have some questions, please go get checked out folks. And you can find out where at the city's um, website and there's lots of information. Can suburbanites? Yeah. Okay. yeah. You call, we schedule you. And that, that, that was the way it started as well. I think it's two three zero zero five zero five call and, and they'll give you all the information. Um, as someone who's now on the hook for, uh, along with 700,000 other people, a quarter billion dollars in bond money for demolition, the big demolition push you started uh, was fueled in a large part by money from Washington in the, in the right. o- Obama-Biden uh, administration. Now that we have a Biden-Harris administration and there's talk of a stimulus and jump-starting cities and sending money places, what are the chances that we get that kind of dough – and they say, you know what, uh, Mr. Duggan, why don't you spend that quarter billion dollars on something else or just plain old don't spend it and lower some taxes a bit? Uh, so uh, I am doing what the people of Detroit want me to do. And uh, I don't think I've ever been in anybody's living room where somebody didn't say, I need you to deal with an abandoned house in my area, either get it renovated or get it knocked down. People of the city wanted me to attack blight. Uh, I've had a number of obstacles along the way, but I think uh, uh, folks appreciate the fact that if we made mistakes, there were mistakes made with a good heart, and I'm never going to stop. Uh, the piece, unfortunately, that uh, has gotten stopped uh, is the commercial demolition. Uh, and so whether they're abandoned party stores or factories or the like, uh, COVID has wiped out those funds. And so uh, I, I think there'll be a transportation uh, secretary named shortly. I expect the transportation secretary will be in charge of uh, the infrastructure uh, initiative that both parties have talked about forever. And certainly I will be actively engaged uh, in Washington 
to make sure that that infrastructure package for cities uh, includes for older cities the elimination of the old factories, the old abandoned buildings, uh, so that those cities can be reused. And so if we could blend, this is the ideal scenario, if we could blend getting rid of the abandoned houses with proposed land with some significant federal money to get rid of the old factory and the other buildings, we could remove blight from Detroit. So I do intend to go to Washington to push uh, for more blight removal funds, but it'll be for the commercial industrial uh, buildings. Okay. So it, it sounds like there's no chance we'll spend America's money instead of Detroit's money. You want to spend America's money and Detroit's money to get the residential and the commercial cleared. I want blight removed. If I don't have to spend any money, I'd be glad to do it. But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, uh, the, the children in this city are being raised in neighborhoods where, you know, I went to um, to a number of the historically black colleges and universities where I recruit our summer interns. And I talked to a number of uh, Detroit high school students who are at those uh, schools uh, and the stories they're telling their classmates when they go off to national colleges and universities about walking to school past abandoned houses. I don't think we understand how deeply our children are scarred uh, by blight in this community. Uh, And so I am going to do everything I can to remove it. I think it's the right thing for our kids. And as you saw, the great majority of voters in the city agree with me. Uh, I'll tell you, I I said 15 years ago that if America wants to show the rest of the world what we're capable of, stop plowing money into Baghdad and clean up the city of Detroit and show people when this country has a will, we can transform places. And so, uh, so we're glad to see these places coming down. Uh, We wish you the best of luck. Uh, You know, we're happy to give you the last word. If not, we'll let you get back to work. Nope. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on, ML. Uh, Your Honor, we appreciate your time. And if you want to read way more about the mayor than <laughs> probably even the mayor wanted to read, you can check out Freep.com. It's going to cost you 99 cents. But if you can't come up with 99 cents, get the hell out of town. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Mayor. <laughs> well, he gave us uh, four more minutes than we were supposed to have. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's because he's a Democrat. They're always overspending. Exactly. Isn't that right? Is Is there a place uh, some people could overspend if they needed a car? No, 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 no. You'll never overspend at Royal Brian Ford because it's all about value. Come on, Mark. So if you're looking for a new ride, service repairs. Two cars then. Or even just a top-notch oil change at at a very reasonable price. Royal Brian Ford is the place to go. That's where my mom bought her red Focus wagon. It's fire engine red because uh, I don't want to say she's old, but... uh, (laughs) Jesus. But I think it's too late. Uh, she's pretty groovy still. I guess that's that. that uh, I think I'm still on the naughty list. Okay. I was a very bad adolescent, I'll tell you. Um, so uh, I'm in the trouble for a long time. Anyways, my mom is not alone. Royal Brian has been taking care of customers for nearly 75 years from the corner of Nine Mile and Mac. If you don't feel like taking that right track, well, just go online to royalbrian.com and check out Fast Track, which lets you choose your vehicle and options. But that's not all, my friends. You can pick your deal, lease, finance, or cash. Get the value of your trade-in, apply for financing, and schedule delivery of your ride. If you go in person, Roy Brian Ford is serious about protecting you and their employees. I've been to the dealership. They are practicing safe commerce and uh, social distancing. I had some tires put on. I was in, out. Not only did I get a good deal, I got a rebate. So check out their website to see what kind of deals they're offering right now. To learn more, that website is royalbrian.com or give them a call at 888-566-5851. And when you do business with any of the people who do business with us, please make sure to let them know that ML Soul of Detroit sent you. Mike. 
Oh, sorry. Come sorry. on, Mark. I just want to know, Mike, were you in the car when they raised it up to change the tires? Did you go for a ride? <laughs> no, I I was in their very comfortable and uh, clean and spacious waiting room. They had blocked off chairs in between chairs so that everybody had their distance. And I actually, they had a little uh, a little work desk, like a uh, formica top that I could swivel over. And, and put I, your feet up on. And I did the show notes for one of our shows right there. Wow. Nice. I was just curious. I thought maybe you went for a little up and down ride in the garage. On the hydraulic, uh, you know, pump. Now there, there was a place, and it's still open on the east side. It was called Brody's Mufflers at the time. Now it's an oil change place where they would you drive onto this thing. It was massive, and it would rotate, and your car would rotate to get in front of the oil change station or the muffler station. Oh, cool. And it was sort of like, it's like a, bat, there's like the Bat Cave. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It was exactly like the Bat ah. Cave, and you can still see this place. I think it's at like. Uh, uh, Guilford and East Warren next to the, uh, the BK lounge, the Burger King. And, uh, that was the coolest I used to like to, and I used to like to go with my grandpa to get his car washed and we would watch as the car would go down the car wash and we would just sit there and walk along with it. That was always cool. Does anybody change your oil anymore, by the way? Oh yeah. Lots of people do. Do they? I yeah. used to, you can't now. It's very difficult. You need special tools. Yeah, you, just can't, right, you can't yeah. get your hands in there. You can't just take a socket wrench up under the, no. the no. lug nut up under the oil pan and. Remember how easy that uh, used to be? Only you might on the be able cars. to drain it, but you got to replace the filter, you know. Right, right. Or if you didn't know, perhaps my friends at Royal Brian Ford could set you straight. Yeah, they, they could say, oh, "Wow, that. look at you!" There you go. Brought it home, baby. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. So I was really disappointed uh, that we didn't have a little more time to ask the mayor when he plans to get vaccinated. But I think it was pretty clear from what he was telling us that he doesn't know yet when he's going to get vaccinated. And I think when he announced that he was running for a third term last week, he said he would be one of the first people to get vaccinated. But now he's saying when he's in one of the first groups to be eligible. Mm-hmm. So uh, so a little a little evolution in that thinking there. I don't know if that's because somebody said, you know, Hey, it sounds like you're jumping the line like a lot of people got on the Trump administration for doing and and they changed their mind or if uh if it's just we're not sure. We're not sure because uh you know, I I'll take that vaccine as soon as it's available and not just because I have this great idea to get people to take the vaccine. So I have been um feeling miserable for the last 4 days because I got the second shot in the two shot shingles vaccine and the first shot made me feel like I had the flu for a day. And the second one has been kicking my ass for four days straight now. And they say that will be the same problem with the COVID-19 vaccination, that the first one will make you sick, the second one will make you sicker. And my feeling is, with the reluctance that you guys both touched upon... What is your definition of sick, though? Uh, flu-like symptoms. I mean, fever, aches, you know, uh, felt like booty, nausea, whatever... But um, but I, I'm I'm worried that with the skepticism about this vaccine, that if people get the first shot and they feel like shit, they're not going to come back for the second one. And so, oh, a lot of that's going to happen to a lot of people. Yeah, it's still fifty percent effective, but they're just going to bail on it. So there was a congressman from Maryland, a former congressman, ran for president. John Delaney didn't. When I say he ran for president, I guess he ran and they tripped him because he didn't get very far. But he was proposing giving every American who gets uh, the uh, the vaccine something like $1,600 because he said it'll cost us hundreds of millions of dollars, but in the end it will be cheaper than having our businesses closed, having our schools closed, having people hospitalized, building more ventilators, you name it. And I think that's a pretty 
pretty uh, novel idea, but I'd like to propose something where if you get the vaccine, you basically get that sort of passport we talked about for people who had COVID-19, where you can be the first people to go to theaters, to restaurants, to sporting events, where we incentivize you and we say, if you're willing to get the shot, you can go sit in the front row. And if you're not, you can go cheer for the SEC. Mm. Well, a lot of that's wrapped up in messaging because some people will see that as being a punishment. We know the government should never punish people. It never goes well. It should always be about incentivizing and convincing people to do stuff. Um, I, I don't know how that would work, and people will be very pissed about that. If they, I want to go to a concert, why do I? Why do I have to get the vaccine? Sean, you hate it when I when I uh, when I Talk. tend the vel- the velvet rope for uh, America. Um, what do you think about this? Are you? I don't hate. Anything really, and I don't hate especially anything about you. By the way, just for a quick background, I, I said velvet rope, not velvet. According, according to a um, uh, Kaiser Family Foundation survey, this is from yesterday. I don't even know what day yesterday was. Monday, fourteenth. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something well, like that. By the that. time people listen to this, let's just say it was in uh, mid December. So, in a new survey that came out yesterday, they're they're saying the survey found about twenty five percent of Americans do not either definitively or or simply don't want to take the uh, the vaccine. Yeah. That is a lot of people. We talked about that with the mayor a little bit, and it broke down. Um, the, we're, we're okay with twenty five percent. If it gets to fifty percent, we don't get herd immunity. Among that twenty five percent, it's as we talked about earlier: black Americans, some, and uh, rural folks, and then Republican folks. So it really is about information, right, or misinformation. So how do we how do we combat that? Are we going to combat that by saying you can go to a concert? Well, thanks for the news update there, Edward R. Murrow. But what do you think about giving people an incentive to get vaccinated? But for those, that's the people we're talking about, right? So are we going to win those people over? Well, how do you uh, you, go into a concert or or should we pay it? I understand why people are on a concert. (laughs) Willie Nelson, some of your your demographics in. Yeah. I I get why people are freaked out about it because it isn't the RNA is a new technology and it came to market very fast that will freak people out. But. There's some of the other crap you put in your body that we know does damage to it. Um, yeah, you can eat flaming hot Cheetos, but not take a. Uh, I, I, I think take a vaccine. Uh, who or was Funguins. that? Who was that rep? You said his idea. Hey, was well, to- well, I, I got to draw a line there. Funyuns may be the finest food product. I like Funyuns. I mean, I like I like okay. Cheetos. I like. All right, let's you know, move on then. I like Mountain Dew. I well, like all of it. There's no is, debate about Funyuns. What is so wrong with giving a cash bonus uh, from the federal government? If you can eat a Pop-Tart, I mean, why can't you take a vaccine? But, but we're talking about, you know, a lot of people are talking about stimulus checks going back out to help prop up the economy, right? So why not make it contingent? Hey, you get your vaccine. You get, That's not uh, a bad you idea. You get a federal bonus. You know, a lot of some people aren't going to like it just because there's always people that don't like it. But Mark, uh, can we can we agree or maybe not? We're in the great debate. We're not maybe supposed to agree. But can we admit and say, or at least acknowledge, maybe that's the better word, that uh, this what's the right word the fear the unease with vaccinations is started way before this it's not just because the vaccine came to market in uh, what 10 months uh, i think that's i do think that's a big part of it i mean if you're referring that, to the that, tuskegee and the, the syphilis no no, no that's specifically within the bio community i'm talking about uh, the, the larger anti-vaxxer sort of movement that's been going on and gaining some steam for a while and then this vaccine comes along or the push for it and it sort of tied into that well, they're, they're, i think been, some folks uh, have manipulated yeah but the anti-vaxxers are easy just give them the jenny mccarthy playboy and they'll get but vaccinated. there were some administration officials who were kind of playing into that sort of on the one hand saying we're going to have a vaccine on the other hand saying 
Yeah, but talking out of both sides of the mouth. There are also uh, some anti-vaxxers that are more than willing to get the COVID vaccine. There's been stories about that simply because they see the effect that this disease has had. And, you know, measles and mumps have been wiped out. And next thing you know, they're starting to come back because people won't get vaccinated. Yeah. So, Nobody right. knows anybody who's had the mumps, right? B- but I everybody mean, knows COVID. I did. Exactly. You had the mumps? Yeah. And pa- does it do what they say about, you it know. It cost me my hair and gave me huge breasts. Other than that. <laughs> Oh. Maybe a little limp in my, my step. I'm oh, I, I'm glad you said step. Told my senses. I can't taste food. I'm sure where you were stepping. I think that. you're handsome. I mean, is that a symptom of the mumps? <laughs> Apparently, you, your glaucoma medicine is working, too. But I'm a little f- slow, you know? So, so yeah. So, maybe we, maybe we break down some of the resistance because people know somebody who's been affected. And, unfortunately, uh, the list of people we know who've been affected increases by the day. But, at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm willing to... Uh, incentivize people to do the right thing. I got to tell you, there's a part of me that really bugs me about this whole pandemic where there seems to be uh, among too many people, I don't want to say majority, but among too many people, a resistance to do anything that would be for the greater good. You know, like I don't want to wear a mask because eh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be told what to do. And, and, and so in return, People get sick and people die. And and it seems like the only sacrifice some people are willing to make is other people. In other words, if you don't want to wear a mask and take care and, and stay off of my shoulder when we're in line, the sacrifice you may be willing to make is my health, the health of my uh, elderly loved ones or my enfeebled or, or challenged loved ones. Uh, so I'm – listen – if it gets you to take the vaccine, I'll I'll put you in the front row. In fact, maybe that's how we get the whole SEC to take the vaccine is by saying well, you, you why can't. Why do you keep you picking on the south? The crimson tide because said, that's that's the resistant spot. I've said I've said that from the start. Why that's we, Florida. That's Georgia. That's Texas. Those are the places where we're they, they struggling won't. here too. Why are you picking on the south? And by the way, speaking because of the, the governors good, there won't do a damn thing to stop Mr. this. In fact, kind, in Florida, uh, in Florida, a state run by Republicans who believe in local control, as I do. The governor has stopped local officials from doing what they think is in the best interest of the people in their jurisdiction. That is not local control. I think this whole thing has turned people inside out. And yes, I will let you go to a baseball game. I'll let you go to a concert. But I just wish people would do this for the right reason, which is because- A lot because of eyes in there. A lot of, I will. Out of I there. will. I'll let you do this. Speaking of the greater good, would you go refill up my drink? I'm a little bit of thirsty. <laughs> yeah, instead of Diet Dr. Pepper? What's that? Diet Dr. Pepper it's with a lime? Diet Mountain Dew Red. Oh, oh, so I guess you're a tough guy. Uh, you, that, that little umbrella sticking out of the top fooled me. Well, the diet, right? You know, that's not, really, <laughs> that's not really tough. So wait a second. So if you drink Mountain Dew, you're tough? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought we just got out of there. It's a perfect break point. But that's the thing? So tough guys drink Mountain Dew? Now you're playing into a star. And ride four wheelers? You know what you should? Uh... Tough, guys, tough guys drink the blood of their opponents. Oh. And what do they eat? Don't make me sigh into this microphone, please. And what, eat- and what do they eat? They eat the dreams of those who stand against them. Uh, oh, I, thought, I was trying to set you up for a segue into the butchery read. But. Oh, shit. I thought you were setting me up for Conan the Barbarian. Remember? What are the best things in life? <laughs> Conan? Okay, focus. To see your enemies driven behind before you and to hear the lamentation. Why don't you let women? Mark read the butchery? You can go get me something to drink since you're so concerned about the. If I'm drinking the blood of my victims, can I eat their meats? Not victims. Not victims. Those who stand. Are you talking about organ meats? Okay, let me let me rephrase. Let me rephrase my question. Can you read the butchery? You know, the thing is, I don't want to put such a high-minded and <laughs> and and convivial place where they only know joy and spreading of joy so close to our contentious discussion <laughs> about giving people free tickets to go see uh, the Oklahoma Sooners. I know they're not in the big 
They're that's not the AC. SEC, at least. A, so you went a little bit west. So I know. I guess I know. they answered my just, question was no. I was just testing Sean. Anyways, the butchery, whether you have been – I don't want to go there either. <laughs> let me just – let me make this simple because some things in life are simple as much as we try and make them Yeah, like the, this read. Please, go ahead. The butcher on Orchard Lake Road just west of Middle Belt is the damn finest butcher shop you'll ever go to. And it's a market. And they have desserts and they have uh, gourmet chips Oh, marbling. Look at the marbling. But most of all, you can you can order online, too. I'm, I'm marveling at the marbling. And they have really good beers at really good prices. Uh, and you can order online. It's thebutcherysl.com. Uh, and SL stands for Sean Loses the Great Debate. Thebutcherysl.com. <laughs> and uh, if you go in there, you're going to find some of the finest products. They will hook you up. They will advise you on what to get if you are curious about what sort of thing you're going to cook. One of our listeners went in there and got some steaks for Christmas. Yeah, there you go. Very, as far as I understand, still alive. So that's what kind of steaks do we know? Um, I'll tell you what they weren't. They weren't missed steaks. Okay. They were good steaks. Okay. Uh, Chef Dave and, and, and Chef Julie would never steer you wrong. So if you can get there, Orchard, Orchard Lake Road, just west of Middle Belt. If you want to give them a call, uh, 248-682-COWS. That's 248-682-COWS. They are not open on Wednesday. Just got to give you a little heads up there. But they will take care of you, especially if when you go to the butchery, you tell them that your old pal, Sean, and, <laughs> and his significant other, or his better, ML, sent you. <laughs> oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys. Uh, the butchery is really good, and so are some of our other sponsors. Yeah, this guy's not a geek. It's uh, Luke Nowacki. A formidable foe. I know. A formidable fellow. <laughs> I know ML's all set with his money. Um, I know Sean's doing great with his, but no, uh, no, no, how is no, your I'm financial not. future looking? If you want to get rich like these two guys, you uh. need to call our buddy Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth Strategies. He can help. Help you find a way to provide for your retirement future that may or may not involve reading through sex messages from the former mayor or from uh, selling more Kwame Sutras or however Sean makes all his bucks. Call Luke 248-663-4748. Luke's going to help you get ready for the future. Tell you uh, where you want to put it. You want to put your money in equities. You want to put them in bonds. What's going on with COVID, all that fun stuff. He will make it. Well, how will he make it, ML? Well, if you call Luke, let me tell you, he will not put you on the Sean plan, which involves plasma. <laughs> he will make it all about exactly. you. Exactly. I have no bucks. Quit projecting, Mark. Sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. You always get the sense that Sean wants to eat the rich, but I know he does like that Wagyu beef at the uh, butchery. And that, I like everything at the butchery. Snake I River Farms it. good, something. Yeah. That, uh, yes. It's, it's actually- Snake River Farms. They cut up Evil Knievel into little pieces, and he's very tender despite all the scar tissue. That's scar. <laughs> Snake River Canyon- Farms. Jumping. Oh, what, wrong snake. Okay. Sorry about that. They'll set you straight there. Um so Geek of the Week, uh, did anybody, is anybody ready? Who wants to lead off? I, I can go first. I don't mind going. Well, you're going to win, so you can go last. It's Sean, do you want to go first? I'll go first. You sure? Yeah, because I'm really pissed off at United oh. Airlines. UA. Oh. 
Do you know what United? Because they haven't blocked the middle seats. Aren't they, aren't they the friendly skies? No, but do you know what United Airlines? Have you seen this story? What they did to this family who was connecting through Denver on their way to Newark? If it was in the free press, I read it. They <laughs> they kicked them off the plane. They told them you are banned from United Airlines forever flying. And the reason why was because they had a two-year-old with them who would not wear a mask. A two-year-old. Well, you guys had kids. I thought they said that for kids that young, they advise that you not wear a mask. Well, United Airlines says you must wear, everyone must wear a mask. And they were trying to put it on the two-year-old. They were holding it up uh, to her face. And the flight attendant's like, nope, not good enough. And the, the person at the gate said, nope, you're not allowed to, uh, to fly United Airlines. You're banned forever. The worst part is, too, their luggage, including the car seat for the two-year-old, were on the plane and they wouldn't get it off. So United Airlines, who has been through plenty of things lately, like with uh, Dr. Dow, remember they dragged that guy off the plane who was screaming because he had to go home? Uh, They're easily the geek of the week. I'm just really kind of fed up with the cartel that all the airlines have become. Well, I I think I'm... Why? You're a uh, capitalist. When they say forever, I I I seem to remember they were selling the middle seat, but now they're not. So forever seems something that they don't understand. It's funny you say that. There's some flexibility here. I mean, we have three airlines. What do you expect? But it, well, no, I know when they form cartels, they carve it out. Yeah, that's not that's right. not capitalism. It's not. No, not at all. That's it's a not, cartel. It's not late stage. No, well, times capitalism. Yeah, I, that's. What, I always hoped that the uh, Con Air would merge with the Irish National Airline. Aer Lingus. So we could con, have Con Lingus. Yeah, no. I know. Con Air Lingus. I was trying to help you out there. Okay. But, uh, I wanted to get you there a little sooner. <laughs> Just setting the stage for Maddie. The bar is low. The bars. Okay, so uh, United. That's a good. I like that one. That may that may trump mine. Oh my god, I might actually win. Who's your Sean? Oh, uh, how about this fellow Joseph Epstein taught at Northwestern University. Oh, I was gonna make it Joey Ep wrote an op-ed in Friday's Wall Street Journal, and this is yeah. But he does not like that uh, first lady to be first lady elect. What do we say? Jill Biden uses the. Um, the honorific, uh, I guess. I the stolen know. election lady, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Call her that. She she refers to her. She doesn't refer to herself as doctor, but others do. It's part of her name, Doctor Jill Biden. He wrote an op-ed saying that it was fraudulent and uh, maybe a little comic. Can I ask you a question about that? Maybe this should have been our debate. Why is that? Why is it immediately considered sexist? When to me, the crux of his argument was, "Hey, PhDs aren't MDs." Here's here's I, how he I started. Weak, I think it's a weak. I know. I know he started with kiddo. And, and no, he, he didn't. Link. He said, "Madam First Lady, Mrs. Biden, Jill, kiddo." Yeah, no, very so de- he very goes, demeaning. All, of course, a bit of advice after the colon. Doctor Jill Biden, he wrote, sounds and feels fraudulent. Not to say a touch comic. Okay, fine. I don't. Obviously, the kiddo is hugely sexist. The, the president-elect used that, but that's his wife. In any case, whatever. Epstein well, did that. He, what really pisses oh, me sorry, off, sorry, He's all fired is, up. The, is the reaction, right? And the opportunity by some to say, okay. Yeah, me too. Right? The, the reaction of it being automatically deemed sexist wouldn't. Well, of course, if you're going to say kiddo, but then the reaction and then the, the opinion page editor at the Wall Street Journal said, well, this is obviously part of a, a scheme or a, a strategy by the transition, by the Biden transition team. Right, trying to lay out some kind of rules. No, it was just an organic response from pissed off women on Twitter. Why does that have to mean that that's some kind of part of the uh, part of the democratic response, official response? It's not. It's ridiculous. Women were rightfully pissed, and they 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 showed it. So what? 
You know, my, my biggest problem with Epstein is he tries to compare his honorary degree with the PhD that she earned over a number of years. Well, never mind the fact that <laughs> yeah, it's just, classist and he's pissing all over degree. Delaware University, whatever. Uh, just so it's classist, it. too. I just think, uh, once again, it's an easy thing for the administ- the new administration coming in to say, that's sexist. It's just but that's, they low, that's low Mark, hanging. But they didn't. This was an organic reaction. Oh, there, from, were plenty of, there were plenty of uh, prepared comments by people. In you office. mean they prepared comments after the fact that were 95 percent of it was just pissed off women on uh, god even that sounds sexist on twitter right well women can be pissed off or facebook but it wasn't some kind of uh coordinated attack it was just people going like come on you, you don't say to the first lady to be kiddo so are you saying are you making him your geek because you think he's sexist because you think he's disrespectful or because his argument he's is not specious? even my geek he's just a, he's just <laughs> he's just a jerk I mean, he's not my geek it's the it's the response well, this is the geek of the week segment it's so it'd the, be good if we could get to your geek no before. the geek of the, the geeks are the oh. res, res, like mark the people oh. that are responding no it's not mark wait a minute let me check the rundown i think i said it might have been mark at one point <laughs> no, no i no, said no. praises mark damn it oh it was the, it was his it was the op-ed editor who said no this is part of the biden transition team when it was clearly not that was then used by shapiro and marco rubio and some of the and ted cruz everybody else jumping in saying look 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 the democrats are already doing this when it was just a bunch of people out there saying hey maybe don't use kiddo so there we go. Your geek of the week is uh, is somewhat nebulous, but uh, a group of people who did some stuff that you didn't like. Is that, did I get that right? So who's it, the winner? It wasn't Epstein, but it was the... Uh, I mean, it was sort of Epstein. Okay. So right. who's the winner then, ML? Who's yours? Your choice? Well, I, I, you know, uh, general category, election outcome deniers who are challenging Holocaust deniers in their lunacy and the threat they pose to our democracy. But there are none that I've seen worse than Thomas McInerney, who is a retired lieutenant general who claims that the 305th Military Intelligence Battalion are working with loony lawyer Sidney Powell. She's the one who yeah, used to oh, hang yeah. out with Melting Rudy before even the, the president and Rudy booted her so Rudy could sit with that. And I should I should apologize. That woman uh, was not a prostitute who sat with Rudy at the Michigan Capitol. Uh, I believe she was a former exotic dancer, and she did send video of herself having sex with a, a gentleman to that gentleman's ex. So not a prostitute, very sophisticated woman. At any rate, um, Powell and Trump determined uh, this 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 general is working with Powell and Trump, and he says that uh, that they are working with the 305th Military Intelligence Battalion to determine that Iran and China, China, manipulate election results. There are too many problems with that crackpot notion to go into right here because we're running very long. But chief among them is that the battalion is an entry-level training unit that has not had an operational mission since, wait for it, World War Two, the big one, the last great war. And an army intelligence officer says that the battalion, or official, says the battalion does not collect, analyze, or provide intelligence in any way. <laughs> but wait, say the conspiracy theorists. That's what makes them so perfect for this mission. <laughs> no one would ever suspect them. There's a genius behind it. Yes. This by, isn't a read. By the way, <laughs> this is called notes. This is what people who really? care do. Oh, okay. These are people who actually have a geek that they get to other than I, I th- anyone I, who subscribes to the Wall Street Journal and may have ever picked up a newspaper I, I in thought, their life. I thought people tuned in to listen to you, not I was you, offended not by people you who read yourself. You know. uh, McInerney retired from you know the I mean? Air Force, Sean. And you know what I'm going to say next, right? Because you, you, you read this on the shitter where the paper is hanging the right way. I wish I could shit. 
<laughs> what? Oh. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, feeling, uh, I'm feeling some dizziness, but at least I'm not constipated. Uh, at any rate, um, uh, this general retired He's, he's so Force. off track now. <laughs> That's what makes it so perfect for the mission. No one would ever suspect no, him, no, no, right? No, no, no. Oh, all, okay, all I'm okay. saying is... Keep, get, get back to the novella. He retired, from, he retired from the Air Force, but now he's Commander-in-Chief of the Air Force. And he's my geek of the week. Is that a new sponsor? I don't know, Bob. <laughs> I think if people listen back, they'll see that there was some linear logic there that actually resulted in a payoff as opposed to, I'm fixing to blame anybody from New York. <laughs> or Wall Street, which is in New York. Yeah. The kids are soft. I don't care for that guy. Me neither. Too no. soft. I'm going to pretend like you didn't just make my dick go soft. I think if, if Chef Dave was producing this podcast, he could trim a lot of fat. But uh, <laughs> no, fat's good though; it's delicious. It's moving. Yeah, it's you moving. want some? That's the marbling, some, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, there we go. Well, there's a fat cap too. There's a fat cap. Well, it's uh, is that like a pussy cap? Just also. No, you want to singe it though. You know, get a little sear on it. What, what do you want to singe that? Which hat? The fat cap. Oh, okay, good. I want to see it. Get a little caramelization going. I don't go for those creepy guys. Um, before we get to this week in, in soft history with uh, uh, not even an honorary PhD, I hate to say it. Um, well, let's call him doctor. Why not? Doctor? Probably call him, doctor. Yeah. He's yeah, kiddo. Kind of, he's kind of a proctologist. He works with assholes. Oh, yeah, Dr. Kiddo. On the podcast. Dr. Dr. Kiddo. Kiddo. Oh, Esquire. I haven't heard proctologist uh, since the 70s. Are you Are you flying, by the way? I'm looking out your window there. It looks like you're above the clouds. <laughs> it does yeah, look like I'm, he's in an airplane. Uh, I'm, I'm visiting the, the, fen- the friendly skies of Detroit, Michigan. Okay, well, if Beautiful. we get hit by some blue ice, we're going to come looking he's for He's in you. the RV from Escape from Witch Mountain. Uh, Matt, before we have you uh, read your segment, we're going to alienate a sponsor by associating them with your segment, and Mark's going to take care of that right now. Well, I think history is being made right now because rates uh, are at an all-time low. If your current mortgage is above 3%, what are you waiting for? You could be saving money. How many times do we have to tell you people this? Uh, Currently at Hall Financial, almost 70% of all loans do not require what an appraisal that's right call hall financial today to see if you qualify for a no appraisal loan and if for some reason your loan does require an appraisal they've extended it they will uh, pay for that appraisal up to 750 dollars. they've even increased the dollar amount it was 500 last month I, I know that's how much they want people to save money it's their whole point over at hall financial and, and ble- david hall looks so smug <laughs> in his website saving you money what's with this guy I, well he should be smug he's saving everybody money Thanks, Dave. And believe it or not, closing times have sped up again. Right now, the majority of loans at Hall Financial are closing in 10 business days or fewer. Just go to the website. Uh, Hall fin- Is it Hall FG or Hall Financial? Well, you it's can David go Hall to our website. There's so, many, there's so many ways to reach the Hall. Yeah, go to our website and you can link to their website. Or you can call my man, Dan Morrison, at 248-308-5000. Ask for Dan and say, Dan, I know you're working <laughs> hard, but double down, brother. Yeah, Hall Financial, lower payments, better options, more personal attention. And everybody say it with me, NMLS number. Do you have it memorized? 146735. One four six seven four three five. That's that's pretty good. Ah! I'm very impressed by that. Damn, I I think I, my Sean's re- not, but I my recall may have been affected. No, I think that's by, awesome. Uh, I'm just looking at the pictures of Matt here by the battering I just took from Sean Windsor. No, it's not really pictures though. Is this Duck Dynasty all of a sudden? <laughs> well, I think he looks good, man. I like the camo. Where are you at, Matt? Of course you do. 
What's wrong there? Yeah, Lynch Road. What are you halfway uh, through Road, a gurk in there? What's going on? You like the camo? You like uh, misogynistic people saying kiddo? It's you not like misogynistic? Uh, you like capitalism? Well, you, criticize, you like airlines you being able to do whatever they want? If you criticize one woman, it does not make you misogynistic. You you want the airlines to be able to kick off poor little two? No, I don't. In the name of capitalism. Quite opposite. They should have just kicked the two-year-old off and let the family fly. That's a, no, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like that. Free babysitting. Tender meat. <laughs> what do you got today, Matt? Well, to answer your question, I am in Detroit right now. I'm on Lynch Road right by Van Dyke. Okay, that's Detroit enough. Detroit Chassis Lot. <laughs> what, are you doing a book signing there or something? <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on All over. Right. The Doomsday and, Book. Um, uh, what do I have for you today? Well, I, I got three... I got three uh, you know, manscaping is one of our sponsors. <laughs> yeah, his beer is getting huge. Quartz look good. You know. Yeah, it is. Uh, I got three <laughs> average jokes, so I hope you're ready. Oh, I love average. Great. <laughs> I thought they were outstanding. Well, thank you. And I, I promise yeah. to try not to interrupt you as you deliver them. Because ML, they are he's, good. he's sandbagging how funny the jokes are. Oh, it's going to make them better. Oh, lowered expectations. <laughs> yes. I like it. The only problem with that, when you underpromise, you have to over-deliver. So quality, not Great. quantity, Matt. That's the theme this week. Yeah, and I. Uh, why don't you go use the bathroom, Sean? <laughs> while I get started. All right, let's hear. And this is a setup for you. I let's hear I these could. terrible, horrible jokes that no one will laugh at. All right, this week, Ronald and, Reagan. And they are good. His- I don't want anybody to interrupt him. Let him do his jokes. <laughs> this week, Ronald Reagan started his first job as a lifeguard. Because if we interrupt six- him, he'll start from the beginning again. Instead of just picking up where he left off. This week, Ronald Reagan started his first job as a lifeguard. See what I tell six you. Year- Keep going. In six, in years. six years. And in six years, he saved 77 people from drowning. Coincidentally, the 77 people he saved all had grandchildren who bullied some kid named John Hinckley. That's the irony. That's the twist. That's awesome. Oh, I got the twist. Got will, you, will you stop explaining my jokes, please? <laughs> if uh, if Reagan hadn't saved him, then he would have never gotten shot. Damn it. Good one. Okay. Yeah, was, I like uh, Did you have a hand in that or something? No, Is no, no. You're so I'm, proud I'm of a it? big fan oh, of that. Okay, okay. I'm a big fan of that one. <laughs> in 1979. Here we go. I come. A commission of scientists declared that after 440 years, smallpox had been eradicated. Yeah. Recently, experts said with our advancements in virology, we could eradicate COVID-19 by the time Congress agrees on a new stimulus package. Biting. Very topical. Commentary. Very top. Incisive commentary. Cloaked as humor. That's the way to reach people. You should be hosting the late show on CBS. The late, late show. No, I want I to should be hosting Colbert. this show. <laughs> Did you say it'll, roasting this show? It'll it'll be about a, it'll be five minutes. <laughs> Payback is such my goodness sorrow. All right, go ahead. My goodness. And finally, this week the FBI recovered forty-four nude photos of Madonna that had been stolen. Really? It was yeah. It I was said know. after inspection. That the photos were more disturbing than they anticipated. <laughs> Not because Madonna was nude, but because she was posing in a fake English accent. Oh, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> well done. 
good much. Well done. I think the original mm. punchline was because she was clearly a supporter of the Bush family, but I, I like the more Ooh. sophisticated. Wait, no. Wait, okay, who changed that punchline? No, this is the. I this, did. This is the punchline. The original, the original punchline was uh, she was having phone sex with a phone. Oh, God. <laughs> gross. <laughs> the uh, creative process sort of took over yeah Bush family. i'm impressed right. i'm impressed what well, are you eating well, is that, is that I, celery I, I know how easily i know how easily offended you get sean so i always have like a backup <laughs> to keep it from being too blue uh, no, not really offended <laughs> maybe more bored but what but what are you what are you eating there my man you know oh, uh, is that celery? celery okay from the butchery you know, i just found out wow, so you're editing your I jokes got, you're eating got, celery what the fuck is oh excuse me what's next I just found out I got gout. Oh, that's nice. Oh, okay. well, that's all that time you're spending at the butcher. So you're not dipping that in pimento <laughs> cheese. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, too much beer and too much steak. Yeah. But Where's the pimento cheese you're dipping that into? Protus. Uh, no, I'm just eating celery just by itself. Are you dipping it into hummus? I am not dipping it in nothing. I'm I, I'm a man of my word. When I told my doctor I'm going to clean up my act, I was serious. God, I, I do that for about a week and then I fall off. <laughs> Good one, Mark. <laughs> Thank Gentle you. listeners, both of you who are still listening, please rewind and 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 note the voices who said this was going too long. Good job, Matt, by the way. I thought those were all funny. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Good job. Way to go. Good stuff. Uh, Room 7609 follows as if anybody could follow that history lesson. Finally, Mike gets the talk. Who would want to? Anyways, uh, to those of you listening now, you know we're we're about to go off of Facebook Live. Uh, If you want to get the full podcast, please always download it. We're at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And that's the best place to find out our latest new wave hit. It's from the waitresses who are giving us a little Christmas ditty called Christmas Wrapping.
Waitresses, the pride of Akron, Ohio, um, with Christmas wrapping. Uh, we asked you in November if you would like us to get back to playing some hidden new wave gems or to play some new wave holiday tunes. The response was overwhelming. And so we have at least one more week, maybe two more weeks. Maybe we'll go right through to the new year with um, holiday new wave hits. And one of the things I like about the waitress, besides they're, uh, they're very well known. I know what boys like um, new you wave do? anthem. I like that song. Well, no, I just, boys like me. Um, just keep your distance, fellas, and not just because of COVID, because I'm taken. By, you know uh, what boys like you like, or you know what boys like? I know what boys like. Boys like me. It speaks for itself. It's a simple declarative statement. But one of the things I love about first time about the life. waitresses is that I get to stick it up Sean's craw. Where do you think what, I was going to go with that? What? Because I think you share this perception that new wave music, if it doesn't have synth, if the hair isn't sticking straight up, if there's not a bunch of makeup on, eyeliner, makeup that it doesn't eyeliner. count as new wave music. But new wave music can be straight old guitar, bass, drums, a couple 
couple of lovely I, uh, faces singing. I and, don't uh, share that perception. By the way, um, okay. it's, have either of you seen the Bee Gees documentary? Ah, uh, no. Drew has. Drew's been talking about it. Loves it's it. It's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've heard a it's lot of great awesome. things about it. Do you guys like the Bee Gees? I do uh, like the Bee Gees. What would you consider? How would you describe their music? I would li- I see. I like Massachusetts. That version of the Bee Gees way more than. I like um, Tragedy. That's yeah. Uh, yes, way, way more than Saturday Night Fever. I don't. Yeah, Saturday Night Fever was over overplayed probably, but they but they had some fun stuff in there too. Yeah, they were great, dude. I, I uh, spent New Year's Eve in Brooklyn one year. Oh, well, watching here, here a metal band that covered the Bee Gees. Really? Yeah, they were great. And then we went from there to another place. We went to go see, we went from there to go see uh, They Might Be Giants. And we went from there to go watch a uh, yeah, Smith's cover band bring in the new year. That was a epic night. Oh, boy. Of here yeah, that's, uh, that's fascinating. Maybe you, <laughs> maybe you two can um, watch it. We could talk a little bit about it next week because it's really interesting yeah. it, it, with the disco with the backlash, with the Comiskey Park burning, and uh, I mean, it gets into all of that, and it gets into and and, it gets into Andy too a little bit, right? Because Andy, it does uh, a little bit. It's, wow, what a party! It, it just in the creative process behind the music, we don't have to deal with that as much. But it's it's really interesting. I'd be curious what you guys. Yeah, think. no, it's, I always it's felt sorry list. for Robin. He always seemed like the one who's like, I'm 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 pretty cool too, and Barry's like, shut up. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really, it's it's really bittersweet watching it. But in any case, yeah, yeah, watch it. Well, they had a falling out, didn't they? At the end, it was just. Barry on his own, and all the brothers had kind of. Well, everybody's gone now. No, I know, but didn't Barry. The, Barry, the family kind of as they were. They, uh, they, yeah, they had periods, and then they came back, and then they, yeah. So anyway, watch it. I'd be curious what you think. Sure. Okay. Has nothing to do with new wave music. So thank you, Sean, once again for your contribution. <laughs> no, but they were, but they talked a victim of it. But they talked about how they were defined at different moments in their career. It was one of those interesting bands, ah, and oh, how so they were labeled. Bring yeah. it around. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you got a PhD in philosophy. Uh, don't call me a doctor. Doctor Windsor. Okay, kiddo. Oh, don't call me doctor. Anyway, um, the uh, the one of the things I wanted. Wait, to Wait, I have up- a crawl. <laughs> yeah, you're from the south. I'm sorry, that's like get a tape five, delay there, Washington. <laughs> um, but one of the things I wanted to to mention about the uh, the waitresses is they had an EP that has one of the greatest album titles ever. I could rule the world if I could only get the parts. Isn't that great? That's awesome, Matt. Keep your eyes on the road. Quick and the video. and uh, know, that, that reminded me. No, no, he's just giving. Come Sean on, and he's driving, and he's looking at his video. Yeah, he's a pro. Mike, help him out. Help, help he's a pro. Out. He knows what he's doing. That, that reminded me of some of my other favorite album titles. Don't care about Matt. Okay, these are no Matt's. He's he, he's got the biggest thing out there. He's just going to crush people. Uh, to everybody else, get out of the way. Lynch Road, get to the curb. Two hands on the wheel, there, soldier. Um, two of the. Listen of the, to him. He's got words to say. Two of the greatest greatest hits titles ever were "Should God Forget" by the Psychedelic Furs. Isn't that awesome? I do like the Psychedelic Furs, that's, but that's what that's what they call their greatest hit. In case God forgets, here's our greatest hits. You know, yeah. Uh, and then the Sisters of Mercy, who had a slight case of overbombing. <laughs> How can you have a slight case of overbombing? But that also reminds me of one of the greatest lines of the uh, the many wonderful songs. By they might be giants who were mentioned a moment ago. Before we quickly moved on from that, uh, they their album, um, the waitresses had. I could rule the world if only I could get the parts. And they might be giants said. Uh, I saw this one time when I was driving on a bridge. I don't want the world. I just want your half. Did you ever like the church? 
I love the church. I saw him live at the Michigan Theater in Ann Arbor. Oh, nice. We talked about that in a previous podcast. Thanks for keeping up with the current events. <laughs> I, can only, I can only remember you singing Triumph, not Triumph. No, maybe it was Triumph. It was triumph, yeah. Yeah. yeah Most God. people who heard that will never forget. Fight or, the good fight. Or it's in my dreams. again, as it so happens. It's in my dreams. So that's Room 7609. Still time to get some nominations in for um, for uh, your favorite new wave hits. These are the great tunes that we never hear on the radio, even though we're so sick of hearing the same tunes over and over again on the radio. So if you have one, let us know. One of the ones I'm considering is uh, Throwing Muses, although I would say that Throwing Muses are probably a bubble team for me on uh, the whole new wave genre. Any thoughts on Throwing Muses? You can define them however you want. What's the song? What's the Christmas song? Um, uh, it's called, uh, well, I kind of want to have a little right, bit of a, we'll a cliffhanger. It. It's called Santa Claus. Hmm. So it's uh, an original? Yes. Okay. I believe so. I believe so. Um, okay. And I'd there's rather also, hear a Christmas cover, but that's fine. There's also They Might Be Giants have a Christmas tune, so maybe we'll play that. Yeah, that, that's all good. We're Cyrus. I'm doing fine. Uh, <laughs> donate, give us money, and uh, okay. Well, tons of feedback this week. That yeah, we're get to, too. first okay. we want to thank uh, Francis and William for helping to underwrite the show. They have donated by doing a little little thing that Mark will share with everybody how to do. Uh, to donate? Yeah. It's very simple. It's on mlsoledetroit.com. There's a donate button. It's fixed now. Yeah, so that's really easy. Um, as Morrissey might have said, when uh, if he had a podcast, we have been spoiled by the generosity of our Frank. Uh, William is a new donor. Frank is a is a recidivist. But if uh, Morrissey knew that William was supporting this show, he might have recidivist. said, "William, it was really something how you reached into your pocket and made a sacrifice to help keep us on the air." Thank now, you. That Thanks. would have been the first draft of one of his lyrics. I'm sure he would have done better with it. But we appreciate your support very much. So. Uh, you can always support the show, and this is one of the most important ways to support support the show is if you do any business with our sponsors, or even if you just call them up to see if they may be uh, suitable partners for you, please let them know that you found out about them by listening to ML's Soul of Detroit. And we're a little late in uh, in bringing this to your attention this week, but um, yes, we, we we want you to uh, if it if it makes sense. Go to manscaped.com, take a look at the Lawnmower 3.0, look at the Weed Whacker, look at their fine uh, shampoo and body wash all in one, look at the crop wipes, look at all the cool the, the the ball toner. All of it. All of it. Good stuff. The ball toner. If you purchase somewhere around 50 Keep bucks worth toned. of stuff, you're going to get a 20% discount and free shipping by using the promo code ML. It's critical that you use the promo code ML if you send us proof of your purchase. You will have a front row seat, of course, the seat's in your house, and you're sitting in front of the computer, nobody else is in front of you, it's a front row seat, to be in one of our future shows from beginning to end, from our pre-flight checklist to our post-mortem. So uh, we've got a few people who have signed up for that. We'd like to see a few more. It's going to be, I think, illuminating. It'll be fun, and it'll help us keep manscaped.com as a sponsor. So please use that promo code ML. And if you're looking for some great holiday stuff, boy, oh boy, we got some of the coolest long sleeve t-shirts in town. The hoodies are pretty fresh. We've got some beanies to keep your dome from getting frosty. And we also have deals on masks, gaiters, keychains, t-shirts, hockey jerseys, stickers, and autographed copies of the Kwame Sutra. They are suitable gifts for the person in your life that you love and even those you're not particularly fond of. And you can find all those at Mark. DrewandMikeStore.com. Ah, brother. Thank Load you. it up. Yep. Thank you for the assist. I'm we very, also yeah. very helpful. you would subscribe, share, rate, and love the podcast. But if you hate it, send us a, send us a note. Let us know. 
let us know what's on your mind. Uh, Rose writes, please get rid of the Matt Jennings portion of your podcast. It is the stupidest bit and adds nothing to your podcast. So Rose, Aww. not so sweet there, but uh, Maddie, we're going to keep you on through the holidays because it would be wrong to put you on the street before then. Plus, I don't want you to run over me with that big rig. He's laughing at it. He's got a, yeah, both hands on the wheel, too. Just Sounds like he knows Rose. Um, uh, Steve unloads on us. Uh, he says, uh, Mark, I heard the interview with Ben Blackwell on ML Soul, a.k.a. ML Soliloquy of Detroit, <laughs> and heard you guys talk about Joey Marasso's embarrassing rock yes. photograph from his yeah. time at Notre Dame High School in Harper Woods. Thanks for all you guys do to get me through my work days between the Drew and Mike podcast, Soul of Detroit, no BS news. Enjoy and Merry Christmas to you all. P.S. Charlie LaDuff signed my copy of his book, Detroit, an American Autopsy, when he interviewed a friend of mine for a story. When he found out where I worked, he drew devil horns and a tail on the inside image and signed it. Who painted Jesus black? <laughs> Please thank Charlie for me and tell him I got a huge kick out of his artwork and inscription. P.S.S. I also know Jack White's brother, Leo, who Ben Blackwell might know. He's an archivist at Interlochen University and graduate of the Wayne State Archives program. I also know Sylvia Muldoon, Whoa. who I think knows the Gillises through Holy Redeemer Parish in Detroit. Wow. Sorry for that Elrickian length email. And oh, I will just tell Elrickian. You, it's this email was edited there. down. So now who's long-winded? <laughs> I think Steve. I love it. I think Dave might have him be Elrickian. Dave weighs in with... Hey, SOD, what I know about the slow work at the Hudson site, floor space. This is something that one of our listeners asked us to check into. Dave is here with, with, uh, with some conjecture. Floor space demand downtown is not hot anymore. It will be again, but COVID oversaturation of the market and trying to find new price point, blah, blah, blah. The technical issues. The original parking structure after the demo of the old building was meant to be a static, great construction site for something great in the future. And it has worked out. But the terrible soil underneath the site and this same toothpaste clay is under the whole city to hit bedrock about 100 to 120 feet down. And the design requiring super high strength, maybe experimental 14K PSI. Let's Oof. just put it this way. He says there's a lot of funky stuff under there. But Oh, that's says, actually interesting. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, then I'll go on. Um, 14K PSI concrete to support the structure has caused some pretty massive construction delays due to bad QC results with no motivated money to push the project and the quality of the total project causing issues. The project has slowed down just the right amount of people. No overtime. No bonuses for hitting project end date. Keep working and we will get there eventually. You probably know it was supposed to be the tallest building in Michigan. Yep. That is canceled due to demand and the structural strength issues per cost per square foot it will still be awesome and a skyline changer for detroit and maybe charlie was right when he talked about those watercolors signed technical dude at a local concrete construction and training association that's, that's that is interesting. awesome yeah, yeah it's really interesting because yeah, it's kind of that whole thing of the we're being lied to it's supposed to be one thing and now it's something else and it's taking forever and nothing's happening and now it's a at least a little bit of an answer it just well, sounds like a huge so mess doesn't it? based on the reaction of most of what i contribute to the show next week we'll be doing a, a special uh issue on uh soil some people would structural say structural matters. Some people would say they might have known that stuff or should have known that stuff. That's a good point. Before they committed to it and That's got a, a lot point. of breaks for it. Thank you, capitalist. SOD will be the soul of, soul of dirt. We'll be back <laughs> next week with everything you want to know about grub worms, about soil, clay, bedrock, sand, and everyone's favorite, potting soil. That's next week on The Soul of Detroit. Uh, a different Dave makes this request. Hey, ML, there's a song by the Paolas that seems to have been scrubbed from the internet, and I can't seem to find out why. The song title is All That I Want 
is to be your shadow. It's a jam, and I figured you'd get a be a good resource to ask what with you having a Pulitzer ding and best-selling book on <laughs> Kwame ding, Kilpatrick ding. There's three dings towards the quota. Let me know if you find anything out, please. It's driving me crazy. Digging the pod. Thanks, man. So if anybody out there can hook us up with a link to the payolas, all that I want is to be your shadow. We will try and work that into a future show. Finally, Todd offers, thanks for turning me on to Hall Financial. After my original lender told me there was nothing they could do for me, oh. I closed my refinance with Hall last week and was able to, to drop my mortgage rate from 3.125% down to 2.375%, despite the toothpaste clay under my home. Although I have to confess my delay in sending over the paperwork brought that 10-day average up. Sorry. Come on, Dave or Todd. Don't screw up Dave Hall. He doesn't go for that shit. Uh, any voicemails? No. No. Okay. Well, we could use some voicemails. 313-288-9070. That's 313-Butterfield-89070. We would love to have your voice on our show. Uh, any final notes? Sean, you already covered what you're doing. You said you're doing good. You're eating some beef. You're gouting out. It's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Got to go do a little uh, writing here. Okay. So <laughs> There's no little writing. There are just little writers. Okay. So, something to think about. Whatever you say. The El Rickian thought of the day. It was a little short, though. <laughs> um, Red Shovel Network plugs. Oh, here we go. Charlie LaDuff's No BS News Hour. He's already been mentioned like four times on this show. And that pains you. Okay, keep going. No, no, I love it. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to catch the slipstream here. We want to uh, we want to bask in his reflected glow. Um, no filter sports with Eli, Denny, and Robert, and of course the Drew and Mike podcast where they give you a lot of free content but they don't want to pay 99 cents for that Detroit don't, don't say they profile don't say they just just he they he him i signed guy, up that drew guy red shovel impresario drew lane who uh if he heard his name is probably saying the next thing he wants to hear is a guy named cyrus who if he's will be so kind will take us out can cyrus! you dig that can you dig it can you dig it <laughs> Tuesday head appears as if local rapper Mike Duggan is mayor of E.I. You are literally the chief of staff to the mayor. He is the mayor. His political style. You should understand the procedure so that we can actually get some work done. We're going to wing it. It's freestyle. I am dropping a V-bomb on your budget. Now, please let the record show that V-bomb means veto. Ah. The mayor premieres Tuesday.